Good morning, loved ones. Those redeemed of God. Wow. Christ is mine forevermore. And you are his. That's how it first began, right? He chose us. We did not choose him. So what a, uh, what a, uh, what a precious, precious doctrine of the sovereign election of God it is for sure. So please open your Bibles to me, First Timothy chapter six, as we continue working through First Timothy. Next week is communion, so we will take a break out of chapter six, and then we'll probably take the rest of the month to finish up chapter six, and then we'll go from there. I'm not sure, Jordan. I think he's got a little series that he wants to preach, so maybe then. We can talk to Jordan. So anyways, with that in mind, um, I hope the music wasn't too loud. Jenny's ears are still kind of ringing a little bit from going shooting. So, uh, so hopefully it wasn't too loud. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll start. Father, we just thank you that we can come into your presence, Lord, and we can come and worship you, Lord. That we can worship you in our song and we can worship you in our giving. And now, Lord, we come to you and pray that we will worship you in the preaching of your word. Father, I pray that you would accompany the preaching of your word, that your spirit would come, Lord, and your spirit would convict us where we need to be convicted. Your spirit would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Your spirit would lift Christ high, Lord, that we would see him in all his majestic glory and all his excellent of who he is. Father, I thank you for the preciousness of the gospel, Lord, that our faith is a gospel-driven faith, Lord. And I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you that our assurance as we've been studying, Father, is in the object of Christ and his finished work on the cross and his perfect life lived for us. And now he intercedes for us, Father. Thank you so much for these things. Lord, I too would, Dick, pray for those, Lord, that aren't here today. Pray, Father, for healing. Pray, Lord, that they, uh, their backs would be better, their hearts would be better, their minds would be better. Lord, that they would focus their eyes upon you. Lord, there are some that aren't here today because the world just has them down, Lord, and I just pray for, for them that uh, you would lift them up and that you would show them Christ and everything he has done for them. Lord, I thank you for who is here today. Lord, I just ask that this message would be uplifting to them. I pray, Lord, it would glorify you most of all. In your name, amen. So welcome, everybody, on Zoom also. So, in our time of the workplace nowadays, we can have a mindset or we can have a mentality with our bosses, right? We, we have bosses that we have to work for. And we can have this idea of, as long as my boss shows me respect, I'll show him or her respect. We have that thought process. We are uh, 
They have to earn my respect. We've heard that one. Before I'm going to show anybody respect, they've got to earn my respect, right? So we, we have these things. Uh, so why, why should I respect my boss, right, uh, when he or she doesn't respect me? That, that's a very good question, right? And, and Paul here in the letter to Timothy, he's going to answer that question of respect. He's going to answer that question in two ways with a, a non-believing boss and believing bosses. And this was in the time of the, the Roman time where, where they still had slaves, right? It was considered a slave relationship. It was an involuntary type of thing and a voluntary type of thing. For, for slaves. And so we look in 1 Timothy 6, 1, and this is what it says. Let all who are under a yoke or a servitude as bondservants, this bondservant would be translated better, slaves. So let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So obviously in Ephesus there was a a work ethic problem that Paul had to address because that's what we see through 1 Timothy where he is giving Timothy all these things that he's had to address from false teachers to bad elders to what good elders should be, how the church should view elders like we looked at last week, and now in the workplace. So when we look at slaves in the, in the Old Testament, when we look at slaves in the Old Testament, slavery was never wrong. It was, it was in the Old Testament. The, the bad treatment of slaves was wrong, but to, have a, but to have a slave was not against God's law. And we see this throughout Exodus 20 and 21. We see this. Slaves actually enjoyed the Sabbath, right? They, they had rights is what they had. So they enjoyed the Sabbath, Exodus 20.10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters, your male servants or your female servants. Again, they were to be set free after seven years, Exodus 21.2. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Now, the thing that's interesting about this verse is it says when you buy a Hebrew slave. So that means Jews were enslaved to Jews. Hebrews had Hebrew slaves. So it wasn't a race issue. That's what we have to understand. It wasn't a race issue. And this text does not talk about race or anything like that, so we're not going into that context. But it wasn't a race issue. Hebrews were enslaved to Hebrews, right? So in the seventh year, they were to be set free. Slaves could choose to stay in service to their masters, though, in Exodus 21, 5, and 6. But if a slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall be his slave forever. So slaves also, there was mistreatment meant freedom. When a slave was mistreated, Exodus 21, 6. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, or destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. 
And verse 27 says, if he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. So we see if there was physical abuse, if there was physical abuse, the slave was to go free. The slaves had rights. They had these things. Slaves had judicial protection. Exodus 21, 20. When a man strikes a slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. And so we see that in the Old Testament, they had slavery and was right. Now we get into the New Testament and this word bondservant is translated slave is referred to as Jesus to the Father. Jesus was a slave to the Father. He was a bondservant to the Father in Philippians 2, 7 but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. This is our same word, being born in the likeness of men. It was to Christians to God, how we are to be to God. 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We are in bondage to God. We are slaves to God, uh, ministers to Christ, Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. James 1.1, James, a servant of God. 2 Peter 1.1, Simeon, Peter, Simon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So now, for you and I today, as we look at this slavery, we look at it in the sense of a, a, a boss-employer relationship. And that's how we're going to apply this passage today, is in the boss-employer relationship. But we see how there was honor within the system that they had. There was a respect for the master from the slave. But if the master mistreated the slave, there was punishment. So, But there was this respect, and that's where we are today. We are to be respectful to our bosses, whether they are non-believers or they are believers. We're to be respectful. So let's look at the first one. We're to be respectful for the non-believing employer. 1 Timothy 6.1. Let all who are under the yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. So we are to be respectful in a way that we are to regard our bosses or our employer with honor. We're to do it with honor. This word regard means to deem them or count them or esteem them with honor. Now what Paul is saying here is not a suggestion. This is a command to believers. This is what we are to do. We are to deem. We are to count. We are to esteem our employers, our bosses with honor. That is what we are to do. He's giving us a command. Why? Because they're worthy of honor. They're worthy of honor because of the position they hold. They are our bosses. They hold a higher position. They are worthy of this honor. Listen to Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Bond servants, slaves, Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. This is showing them honor. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing what whatever good anyone does, this will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. In that passage, we see one thing. We see our motivation. 
we see our motivations for deeming, esteeming, and counting them with all honor because of the worthy position they hold, right? The, the motivation is, is because why? We work for God. God is really our ultimate boss. It's a gospel-driven respect. That's what it is. It's a life that is gripped by the gospel, and we see it within the workplace. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not, well, okay, I have to do this for my boss. I have to esteem them. I have to do this right so God will accept me. No, this is you are accepted in the beloved. Christ has saved you. You are fully his. Now live this way. This is how we should live as believers, completely different from the rest of the world. And that includes in our workplace, in how we honor our bosses. Now, that's not, even, that's not honor only for good bosses that treat us well, but we are to do the same thing for bosses that are bad bosses, that we sit there and say, man, I don't respect that bloke. No way. You know, they're a bad boss. They treat me bad. They talk to me bad. You know, they treat me bad. They treat others bad. But listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Wow! When we honor our bosses and we esteem them and we deem them with this honor and we we count them worthy because of their positions even when they're a bad boss and we do this what's that do this is a gracious thing in the sight of god how honoring your life becomes to god when you do this you and i have to respect regardless of how we feel about them Paul is not talking about feelings here at all. He's not saying if you feel like it. Maybe you had a bad night. Maybe you didn't sleep real good. Maybe you ate a bad burrito and you just don't feel like it today. No, he's saying, no, this this is the way that you treat your boss. So why? Why would we treat our bosses this way? Not only because it is a gracious thing in the sight of God, but because our faith is on the line. Our faith is on the line. The believer's reason, 1 Timothy 6.1, let all who are under the yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. It's because our faith is completely on the line. That's what it is. You and I honor God and our doctrine when we are respectful to our employers. We honor God with that. Listen to Titus 2, 7 and 8. Show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that, here's our thing, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us but they got nothing to come back on us at, right? We treat them well all the time. Why? So they got nothing to come back at us. Oh, you're a Christian and you do that, right? 
They got nothing to come back on us at. They can sit there and say, man, I treat so-and-so so bad, but yet they still love me and they honor me. Wow, there's something different about that person. We see it in 1 Peter 2.12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of, of visitation. And again in 1 Peter 3.16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. This is why we do it, because our faith is on the line. Jesus, Jesus, he, he, he talks about these things, right? When you and I do not honor our employers, they can come back on us on our faith. But you and I dishonor God. We dishonor God when our lives are hypocritical. You preach this, but you do that. And you want to know what? We all do it, right? We all do that. We all say one thing and then do the other. I know I do it. I do it a lot. You know, I, I preach it, but sometimes I don't practice it. But that's where we have to really, really go. We have to really uh, look to Jesus for this. Jesus talks about it to the religious leaders. In Matthew 23, 3, he says, so do not observe what they tell you. Or he says, so do and observe what they tell you. So he's telling the people with the religious leaders, do what they tell you. Observe what they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. Does that describe your life? Do as I say, not as I do? Right? Do as I say, not as I do. Paul, to the religious Jews, right? Paul, in the first three chapters of Romans, from, chapter, from verse 18 to 323, he just nails everybody that they fall short of the glory of God in sin. And so now he's coming to the Jews, the religious elite, right? They're like, hey, we have the oracles of God. What are you talking about? And listen to what Paul says to them. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. Brothers and sisters, that should not be us. The name of God should not be blasphemed among the Gentiles because of us. Because we preach, but we don't practice. That's what Paul is talking about. You preach, you preach, you preach, you preach, and then you don't do what you do. And because of that, you are blaspheming God's name among the Gentiles. You disgrace the very one who hung on the cross for you. Do you want to do that in the workplace? Do you want to do that with your boss? Or do you want to honor them and bring glory to the one who hung on the cross for you? That's what we have. That's what we have. Jesus tells us, well, well, first of all, think about it. Think about if you were the boss, right? Because we've all said that, right? If I was the boss, 
right? If I was the boss. Or, you know, in the barbershop I always used, if I was the king. You know, so, but if I was the boss, how would you want to be treated? How would you want your employees to treat you? Right? Jesus flat out puts it in Luke 6.31, right? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. We should show honor because that's what we would want. It doesn't mean they're going to give it to us. We have to remember that verse. And as you wish others would do to you. It doesn't say do unto others as you would do unto them, as you wish it to be. So if I want someone to respect me as a boss, if, if I was a boss and I would want that, well, you know what? I'm going to treat them that way. And I'm going to get it in return, but it means that way. So this is what we are to do. We are to respect our employers. We are to show them honor because our faith is on the line for non-believing ones. Now, what about for believing? Respect for believing believers, right? Respect for believing believers. Look at 1 Timothy 6.2. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. Now, this one was, this is, was easy for me to, to think through because for 22 years, I got to do this. I worked with a guy who owned the barbershop that was a Christian. I never, he was never my boss, but I counted him as my boss because he let me work there and he didn't kick me out, you know. But he was a believer. And man, it was so easy to work for that guy. It was so easy for me not to disrespect him because of who he was. He was my brother in Christ, and that not only did it not did it did it not have did I not disrespect him, but it produced loyalty, a little more loyalty because I wanted to be there with him. I wanted to be there with him, but even with believing bosses, we are to not be disrespectful. So this disrespectful means to think against or despise. Right? Even if we have a believing boss, we're not to think against them or despise them. Right? It's, it's also not an um, equality thing. It's not an e- equality thing in, in, the, in, the, in the church. It's not that he's equal to me. He was, he was still the owner of the shop. He was still my boss. I still have this respect for him. Even though we were equal in Christ, he still held the position as my boss. So I was not to be disrespectful to him. Why? Because they're brothers. They're beloved, right? They're beloved of God. They're fellow believers. Philemon 16 says this, no longer as Onesimus is coming back, Paul says that they're no longer as a bondservant, but more than, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you? both in flesh and in the Lord. We are to serve them even more, even greater, because they're a brother in Christ. Because they're a brother in Christ. Galatians 3, 26. For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. 
For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you're all Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. Because we are brothers. That's why we are to serve even more. We are to serve greater. Because we're brothers in Christ. We are to serve the better. Galatians 6.10 puts it this way. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. So when we have a believing boss, this is exactly how we are to be. We are to be those who are not disrespectful because they are brothers, but we serve all the better because those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. That is why we serve all the better because they are brothers. Now, this might have been a, an issue in Ephesus because you might have had a master who owned, you know, two believers, a master who owned a, another believer, but the believer he owned may have been an elder in the church. Could have been. I don't know for sure. Some history says that there was. And the master might not have been an elder in the church. But he was still to show him respect. Even as an elder, he was to show him respect and serve him even the more. So, brothers and sisters, so to close, Paul tells Timothy that he is to be faithful to urge and teach these things. But just not these things. Just not this workplace thing. But he is to teach these things that are going to come in the next in the next verses that Timothy was to urge and teach these things. So in closing, whether you have an unbelieving boss or a believing boss, may you and I be believers who work in such a way that all who see us may see Christ in us and will glorify God for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the simple passage, the simpleness of your word. Lord, may we be your children who honor you not only in church, Lord, but we honor you in the workplace. Father, that we would honor you whether we have a believing boss or we have an unbelieving boss, but that we would honor you in every way. So, Father, thank you again for this message. Thank you for your word. Give us wisdom now, Lord, as we go from here, Lord. Bless our day. We thank it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing our last song.